Welcome to Stories of Hope. I'm Christine Hotchkiss. I believe everyone has a story that is unique, just like our fingerprints that put us on the path and the journeys of our lives. Some find purpose. Every story can help, heal, inspire, educate, and my one big word is to give hope. Today, I have a special guest. His family won the lottery. Oh, but it's not the lottery you think. They feel it's the big lottery. Not one with dollars, but one with opportunities. Today, my guest is Kamal. He was born and raised in a rural village in Punjab, India. Number five of eight kids. Wow, that's a big family, especially in today's times. His father worked as a mason to support and feed the family. Poverty was part of a daily living, just having basic clothes, could not afford shoes, school, basic items only, and sometimes they didn't even have enough money for food. What's this lottery system? Well, in a lottery system, Kamal's father won a voucher to the UK in 1963. His father worked there as a laborer in a foundry. We're going to have to ask him what a foundry is. Raised, his father raised money to bring his family back and join him in 1968. In the meantime, unfortunately, two siblings had died of TB outbreak. Kamal received his high school and college education and became an electrical engineer. Wow. He worked during schooling to help with his family expenses. He moved to North America to pursue a career in commercial aerospace. He was fortunate enough to travel the world while working with the best aerospace companies. Kamal says he is so grateful for having gotten this opportunity to be in the U.S. for a betterment of his life. Please help me welcome Kamal. Good morning. Good morning, Christine. That's a lot. Thanks for having me on, and um, uh, that was a good introduction. Thank you. I'm blown away because I, I'll admit, when I was a kid, not that long ago, right? Um, the lottery, I learned about it in history, but it never really, I never understood what it was. And then as we get older, we think of the lottery as scratch a few numbers, put a few numbers down, and then you win some money. But yours was actually a better way of living. Yes, indeed. It, it was. You can uh, interpret it as a ticket to uh, free ticket to England, and uh, from a, from a, a village, it was it was uh, it was something incredible that happened. So basically, the background to that is uh, in in UK there was uh, uh, back in the early sixties uh, a, a need for labor force to work uh, the roads, the transportation, and the, and the, uh, the, the, the factories. So the British uh, government actually went out to the colonies, the British former colonies, including India, and went uh, there to bring labor to England to run all those, uh, those uh, areas that I mentioned. So, 63, my father, uh, we're in Punjab, and he basically puts his name down for, for this uh, lottery system. And um, at the end of it, long behold, he, his name was picked. Wow. But this was only allowing him himself to go, not the entire family, right? That, that is correct. Initially, only the, uh, the, uh, the, the person what the um, the you know required to do the work would go. So my father alone went uh, 
then when he uh, he went to England in 1963 with that ticket in his hand, and um, and then he worked, he did work in a in a it's, it's called a foundry back in the UK. Thank you. Yeah. Which is which is really where they melt the uh, the the the, uh, the metal in these great big crucibles and then pour that into a, into a, a, what's called a, a forging. So it could just pour the hot metal into the forging and uh, the end of it, it comes out as one piece of a, a product component, okay. maybe for a car or, or, a, or an engine. The railway uh, was big back then. And uh, so it was, they were making those parts. And believe me, it was a very hot, hot environment that they worked in. Well, you're talking and, about heat and metal for sure. There's got to be a yes. lot of degrees to be able to bend steel. Very high metals. degrees, yes, yes. So, so how old was your father? Do you know? My father at that time was, he was 42. Oh, wow. Okay. And I'm going to assume, because I'd read in your intro, that there are... Um, I'm going to always say there are, because in our mind and our heart, there's always that, even if we've lost a loved one. Um, two of your siblings had passed away, but that's a big family to leave behind. So that means your mom had to take care of all of you guys while dad was gone, what, five years? That's correct. Yes. Yeah. My, my mother was a, she, she was a strong woman and, uh, her job was to basically, uh, you know, look after the household, and and um, along with that, we we you know, back in India, you, you don't uh, you don't go out to back in the villages. You normally keep a cow to give you milk, and the milk products were were all churned from the milk, okay. like cheese and then yogurts, and so my mother would get up four o'clock in the morning, and that's she, she would milk the cow. And you know, get everything ready, churn the milk for for uh, uh, butter and so forth. So everything was kind of homemade, and uh, we just managed with uh, with uh, what we had. Uh, you know, uh, having father gone back over to England, it wasn't immediate that he started uh, sending money back to the home. So there was a there was a, a period of about six months. So my mother worked very hard to keep everything going back home. Yeah. So you uh, all did you all have a job? I want to say to make sure that all of these things were you know you had groceries and that was basically your grocery store. You just talked about how your mom had to milk the cow and the process of making the cheese and everything else. Did yeah. you, you have a chore to make sure everyone had a part in participating and making sure everyone was fed yeah. as well? Yes, the boys boys had chores. That chores where they were, they would have to. Uh, we would have. In, in my case, my my um, uh, um, duty was to get the the feed for the cow, and that meant going out. Uh, we, we we did have a little bit of land where we we, we would uh, grow some. Uh, 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 well, it was and vegetables and yeah. some other stuff for the for the animal for the cow, and I would literally cut it down. You know, cut things down every morning by hand, bring it home, and we had this uh, this uh, it's it's a machine which you basically by hand, turn you know, it. turn it and and 
cut the, uh, the, 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 the cow feed into little pieces and I will feed the cow. That was my, my uh, chore. That now I, we I just go to the grocery store and we pick out something that someone else has already done on the work. And I don't think a lot of people realize that there's still a lot of labor behind all of that. Absolutely. It was, it was purely all labor. But we were, you know, we felt that was our, our way of living, our duty to, to get that done and uh, keep things running uh, smooth. So, and so now we had mentioned that, that you had two siblings that passed away from TB. Was this during the time frame that your father was away? My father was away then, yes. Yeah, two of the siblings passed. Uh, yeah, there was an outbreak in the village. It's mainly, you know, um, um, the, the, the one was older than me. So he was at number four. It was brother. And then my sister was number two. And they 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 passed away within six months of each other mm. because of this disease. Yeah. So you uh, so the village is for our listeners. How big is this village as far as people go? Number of people we're talking. We guesstimate three thousand to thirty five hundred people. Small village, you know. So oh, uh, that is very small. Yes. Yes. And uh, quite spread out. You know, it was. Uh, most of the most of the um, living um, back in rural village is all agricultural. You know, you you don't even have a running water in the house, so you have to go to a, a community well to to get the water, bring it home for all the necessity necessary things. You know that. Uh, uh, so so it was uh, it was a, for for you know, a young. Young family, it was you know it was exciting to do stuff like that, get out and get up in the morning and get things done, and then get ready for school. I have a visual of all of this that you've just explained, and in our current times of the 2020 year, there are so many people don't realize that it takes all of us to come together to do something, whether it's to get our groceries, but there are other countries that are affected by our current situation, not just here in the U.S. And there are villages that you just talked about that are still that way. That is their life. They don't have the high rises we do here. They don't have the machinery that they have, we do, that they we have here, that they have there. They're still doing all of the things you just mentioned. And for me to go back into something, I've never been to a village, but to say, that's the basics. And yet, in the beginning here, when I introduced you, you couldn't even afford the basics, you know, food and clothes and, and school supplies. Here, we have all these different um, fundraisers and different events to help other people within our communities here, even though, you know, we think that there's those opportunities that are still within our own country issues about finding things that are needed just on the basics. So I would say I am grateful every day that I'm able to get into a car, go to the grocery store, put on a pair of shoes, even if I go and get a second pair, you know, a secondhand pair of um, jeans Mm -hmm. or shirts or pants or whatever. I have it. It doesn't sound like that's an opportunity over there. Uh. You know, Christine, it's, uh, it, yeah, you, I mean, any equivalence, I would say, you, maybe you have to go back if, if you were living here in the U- U.S., mm-hmm. probably back in, I don't know, the, the 1900s or something, as, as, you know, if you compare the two lifestyles. Mm-hmm. So back there, it was, uh, yeah, there was definitely no conveniences as such. We had one sort of 
old. I remember my dad, he left the, he had one bike, bicycle. And that was the, the, the means of families uh, utilizing it to, to, you know, bring things home. Like, you know, like you mentioned, some groceries, basic groceries, and also uh, use it to, for all sorts of, you know, transport, transportation means. And uh, it was, it was uh, used mainly within the village because there was no need to really go out to a big city and, 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 uh, because we, it was just too, too expensive. And, uh, so, so for those that don't understand what third world country is, I would say I've been to one other country. Actually, I take that back that I considered a third world country. Would you say that this town, your, your village was a third? Oh world? yes, definitely a third world. There, there were no conveniences as, uh, as you mentioned, we have here, um, very much a uh, a lifestyle where you know it's uh, it's it's very very simple lifestyle. In uh, have you have you heard of Mahatma Gandhi, the the great spiritual leader of India? Yes, he was a very simple, basically you know very simple clothing, and uh, he certainly didn't have any any uh, materialistic possessions so that's the sort of thing you kind of lived life day to day and 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 and, and there were times when the, you know even the climate when the when the weather got real bad you you had to manage everything you you just took it in your stride and uh, what and, was the housing like there or it probably still is so the housing that we had, um, it's another thing is the over there, the houses are owned outright, right? There, there's no mortgage. We had a small house. I remember um, we, uh, it, it was equivalent of two bedrooms. And then we had uh, a main area where it, it was like the, the kitchen and the, and the family room. And normally we would, Square there footage, were what would you say? What's that? Square footage, maybe, maybe, maybe about eight hundred, nine hundred square feet. Oh, and then you think about the family sizes. That's the a big family, very, yeah, yeah, very yeah. small living. So that, fast forward now. We talked about in the beginning as well in your intro that you're in aerospace. How did that come about? From where you were to where your dad provided for you guys another opportunity to. Get out of where well, I, I, you know, uh, it's uh, it was my my belief in the Almighty. My, you know, um, I saw the opportunity in England for education. I, I, from the age I went there, I had three years at high school. Um, so high school there is all the way up to eighteen years old. So, oh, so it's not the same structure as not here. Not the same structure as here. And uh, I, when I got to England, when the family got to England, obviously I did not speak any English. I didn't understand the written English. So, but I got this, this clear message in my head that I got to, I got to work. I got to find means of learning the language very quick. Right, and it's a difficult. It was it was difficult, but I, I went away. The maybe it's unorthodox. I bought myself a, a, a dictionary, Oxford dictionary, at that. <laughs> I still I probably still have it. 
So I would go from A through all the all the alphabet, go through the dictionary and learn new words and their meaning just by studying the dictionary. And uh, and I would try to use those words in a in a everyday sort of communication with friends, with uh, with neighbors, and my neighbors. That's another thing. We had really great neighbors, uh, English couple that really teach you. Absolutely, oh, they they helped. They they would help us to to uh, to learn the spoken word and pronunciation and everything. So it was just a wonderful. I remember Bill and Kath. Kathy, of our neighbors, uh, bless their souls. They 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 uh, they 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 passed away, but the wonderful neighbors, wonderful neighbors. So anyway, so there I went to school, and um, my math skills were pretty good already, but it was just the 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 language which I had to learn quickly. But I did, I did, and um, you know, it, when you that age, I guess it's easier to to. To adapt. pick things up, yeah, yeah. adapt, I adapt, agree with you. and uh, so I did. So I did pretty good at high school, and at the age of eighteen, um, I thought I want to learn some trade. Okay, so I went into this um, uh, uh, company. They they actually did the did the telephonic systems. They would install a phone system in a local factories, you know, with just within one factory. It wasn't um, across the board. So I worked there. Then, um, um, then I remember my manager says to me, he says, you did really good at high school. You should look into going into uh, college. And the company will pick up some of the costs. Wow. And then, You're like, why you know, not? A bulb lit up in my head. I Another thought, lottery for you, huh? Another lottery, exactly. <laughs> you know, God is good. When, uh, when um, so so I, I thought about it. I came home. I talked to my dad. I said, hey, they, if you don't mind, I'm going to be uh, thinking of going to college and get a, uh, get a, get a, a degree, right? And uh, with the support from my manager, I, I applied and I got accepted to a uh, It's actually back then it was polytechnic colleges. They, okay. We called them polytechnic, engineering polytechnic college. So I went to, uh, I was in a city and the, the, uh, the college was in a city which was about 25 miles away. England is very condensed. You, you know, you, you can go to one from one city to another within half an hour. <laughs> it's not like here. Right. So, so anyhow, so I, I did, I, I enrolled into uh, electrical engineering course, because uh, that was something, it was kind of natural from going from that telephone sort of system, exchange system to electrical. And, uh, and Four years later, I had a degree in electrical engineering from the college, and my I got lined up for a job in actually aerospace, uh, where where we this company hired me, and uh, we actually built these flight simulators for for pilots to train on. I've seen them. And, you seen those simulators, right? Yeah. So flight simulators. So I worked there. Uh, it was a great learning experience about aerospace and how the the aircrafts, you know, worked and all that. And um, so, 
so that I worked there for three years, and you know the the, the wages over there in England, even even though you got a degree, it wasn't great. You still still had to struggle. So I worked two jobs. I do my regular job from eight to five, then I come home, and then two two hours later I would go and work in a hotel as a barman. So so I was a I would do that till eleven o'clock at night. That's when all the all the, the the pubs would close down. So then I go home, you know, get to bed about midnight, wake up again six o'clock in the morning. You were on a mission to achieve something, and you did whatever it took to sacrifice whatever it took, and everything. You know? yeah. And I think that's where we're forgetting. Um, in our current situation, as the years go on, we're forgetting that sometimes you have to sacrifice to follow your dream. And yours started out as a young kid, not understanding that the lottery had nothing to do with what we know it to be as winning money, where people think, oh, if I won the lottery, everything's great. Well, I've also yeah. seen people, it destroy them. And yes. here, in a lottery system... It allowed you to have a new freedom and a new opportunity in life that allowed you to get the education, which I'm sure your, your siblings also had taken the opportunity because the United States is the land of opportunity. Regardless of our situation, it still is the land of opportunity. It's just on a, it's on a stress right now in the strain. Yeah, so absolutely, it was a lottery of an opportunity of to, to pursue something something that uh, uh, would would actually, you know, improve your life. Improve your life. I love that. I didn't mean to interrupt you when you said that it just kind of hit me in the face. Improve your life. So it was definitely an opportunity. I I took it in my stride. I said, I I would think I would, you know, in the mix, I did all sorts of odd jobs back in England, including some paper rounds before my school. And, and I even worked in flea markets at the weekend. So I'm an all rounder, believe me. I've done. <laughs> there, was, there was at one time, Kamal, that I actually had to work three jobs as a single parent. So I know that schedule very well. And I did it for seven days straight for a year because uh-huh. I was on a mission and I did achieve those, but I, and I almost felt like I lost days not knowing what was what, but it was important to me and for my kids to have the life that I didn't want to have to worry about someone else taking care of me. Oh, wait, there wasn't anyone to take care of me. It was about me go. and my responsibilities and my choices <laughs> and the opportunities. And, and, and you did a great job. That's, that's fantastic. Thank you. So I got, from there on, I... The, the company back in England, like I mentioned, it made flight simulators, and we had two competitors. One was in Canada, Montreal, and the other one in Binghamton, New York. Oh. So I looked up those companies. I said, say, you know, it'd be nice to go uh, see, go over to North America, go, you know, uh, even if I have to go to Canada first, then I can use it as a stepping stone to go into the U.S. And that's exactly what I did. The company in Canada hired me. They said, hey, yeah, come on over. You have the skill set that we need because they also built flight simulators for a bunch of, bunch of airlines. And, uh, so I came over to Canada and, um, Worked there for two years. It was so cold in Montreal. <laughs> the winters were yeah, I can only imagine. severe. So uh, then I applied to the U.S. company, which was Singer Flight Simulation in Binghamton, New York. It's upstate New York. Uh-huh. And that company, 
just launched my career to to uh, to uh, to a to what you level, were today. To, to a level I thought just you know unimaginable. At, at Another lottery, if you want to look at it, right? Uh, no, it was, it was just I a, love it. <laughs> just a sequence of you know good things. Uh, you know, I like I said, that's uh, because the Almighty had some plans plan for me and the family. So it was all all um, uh, being played out. And uh, so I got to Binghamton. They offered me a job there, and uh, I did very well. I got three promotions within. I was there for seven years. And I went from, uh, you know, uh, engineer to uh, a staff engineer. So I got three promotions, promotion three times because I did a lot of good stuff for the, uh, for the flight simulator. I did a lot of the design work and did all the, uh, all the uh, hardware designs. And then I would do all the tests. By the way, that's when I traveled around the world. I, I went to, um, Japan. I went to uh, uh, Australia uh-huh. with all these the, the product that we sold these airlines, and I would go there to make sure every insulation was correct and all the testing was uh, accepted by the uh, and accurate uh, because you're going from different places and different elements. Exactly, exactly. Wonderful. Australia. By the way, if you ever go to Sydney, Australia, it's a beautiful city. It reminds me of San Francisco. It's all along the coast. Uh, and it's it's really really nice place, and uh, so f- going forward from there uh, in 1988, uh, the company in New York uh, was being uh, um, basically divided into small divisions and being. It, it, this was a phenomenon back in the late 80s. It was called hostile takeovers. Mm. Uh, so that was a term used when these bankers would go in, buy these corporations and split them up and, and sell these divisions and make a profit, right? Right. So that that's what happened to Singer, Singer, the, the Singer Corporation, which owned single flight simulation. Is it constantly so changing and buying? A- constant changing, yes. And then uh, again, uh, luck of the draw, uh, uh, Honeywell out of Phoenix was looking for engineers and with, with my skill set. And uh, I applied and, uh, and they, 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 they offered me a job. So I flew from New York. Uh, I remember I came here. By the In between there, I did get married and we, we got family. So, uh, I ended up in Phoenix working for Honeywell, where uh, I worked there for almost 20 years at Honeywell. Sounds like you've had quite a lot of lottery winnings. I have one question that I need to ask you before we come to a close. Okay. Because it sounds like I need to rub elbows with you for some lottery, and it has nothing to do with (laughs) it, because I'm I'm very basic. I've already lived the lifestyles of those... Um, areas and it's I'm I'm good where where I'm at, but the other lotteries I'm seeing, I'm like, oh, I could I could get that. I would love to travel more. So, my yeah. final question for you is, what message would you like to leave with everyone based on your journey of either the very beginning of the lottery that was not about the money, but about the opportunities, or just about life in general? Yes. So. 
of course, you know, my story uh, obviously shows that I've been very fortunate in my life. Uh, you know, the good Lord has looked after, you know, given me opportunities. And when I, in the U.S., it's all about opportunities. Opportunities. Everyone gets the same opportunities. This is how you pursue those opportunities. How do you, you know, when the door is, opportunities knocking, how do you, how do you grab that? opportunity and and work make it work for you yes. and uh i was fortunate all along to uh to be to work with these great companies honeywell aerospace great company to work for and i learned a lot i traveled a lot with them and uh my message is you know um it, it's all about what effort you put in to to how how do you you know, pursue the dreams that you have. And that they don't know, nobody puts those dreams on your plate. You got to go after them, pursue them. And you're going, there's going to be knocks along the way, but that's, that's what life is. You handle those knocks. Those are the growing and pains, right? It's the growing pains. It's the, it's the you know, being in a, 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 a different place, being accepted by your peers and, and, and your, you know, your supervisors and, and having that, uh, that um, mindset to, to, to work hard, you know, work, you're to, to, to your full capability and things will fall into place. Chasing and your dream. Thank that's you. That's right. Chasing Thank your dreams. Your that's, dad uh, did, and that's how it all began, right? It's all he started it off. Yes, yes, and and the right, um, you know, even up to now, I'm I'm very happy. Uh, I I did get divorced in 2006 well, time frame, 2008. And then I did meet. Uh, I, 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 I'm in a relationship with a very nice lady. She's, we're, we're we're not married, but we, we're um, together. And uh, so another, you know, another uh, lottery and some more blessings. Lottery in in, in my life. Uh, so you know, Thank God you. is great. Thank, yeah. Thank you again for for sharing the the many different lotteries of your life. And there's probably more that we'll have to follow up and see where those other ones come from. Or like I said, I rub elbows with you and see, I can share what other ones I've got coming. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. We, we definitely will do that. Thank, thank you. you for, thank you for being my guest today. Thank you, Christine. Take care. Thank you. And to my listeners, if you have a story you want to share, or know someone who has a story that you feel they should share, email me to the address of Christine with the CH at christinehotchkiss.com. Until next time, everyone, I wish you well and you take care.